If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. Don't check your bulletin, it's all fine. Today we will hear the story of the Magi, also known as the Wise Men, a story about which there are few verifiable details, although we've made up quite a few. We have no idea if the we three kings were actually kings, or even if there were three of them. The text doesn't say. We have, though, ruled out that the wise men were women. After all, wise women would have asked directions, <laughs> arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, and brought a week's worth of casseroles. Dissecting why Matthew tells this story, none of the other Gospels do, the meaning of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, figuring out when they really showed up, well, those are important details. But lest we forget that stories are meant to grow our imaginations, I thought we might just sit with the story. After all, the world, said G.K. Chesterton, does not lack for wonders, only for lack of wonder. This is how Barbara Brown Taylor tells the story of the wise men with a few Lori Walkie modifications. Once upon a time, there were three, yes, three very wise men who were all sitting in their own countries, minding their own business, when a bright star lodged in the right eye of each one of them. It was so bright that none of them could tell whether it was burning in the sky or in their own imaginations, but they were so wise they knew it did not matter all that much. The point was, something beyond them was calling them, and it was a tug they had been waiting for all their lives. Each in his own country had tried books, tried magic, tried astrology and reflexology. One had spent his entire fortune learning how to read and write ancient languages. Another lived on nothing but dried herbs boiled in water. The third could walk on hot coals, but it did nothing for him beyond the great sense of relief he felt at the end. They were all glad for a reason to get out of town, because that was clearly where the star was calling them, 
out away from everything they knew how to manage and survive, out from under the reputations they had built for themselves, the high expectations and disappointing returns. And so they set out one by one, each believing that he was the only one with a star in his eye, that is, until they all ran into one another on the road to Jerusalem. From a distance, each thought the other to be a mirage at first, a twinkling reflection made of vapor and heat. But as they drew near to one another, they saw the star they had in common, and it was like a tattoo or a secret handshake that made them brothers before they spoke. They were unanimous that the star was leading them to Jerusalem, which made perfect sense since they had every reason to believe they were on their way to meet a king. They had no trouble gaining entrance into the palace. They looked rich, and that was enough to get them a royal audience. Only the king they met was something of a disappointment. He had terrible breath. His skin was a strange orange color, <laughs> as if his bile had gotten the best of him. Without even conferring with one another, the wise men knew he was not the one, so they asked him if he knew of any other kings in the general area. The king had been picking at his fingernails until then, but their question seemed to get his attention in a big way. He looked right at them for the first time, and when he saw the stars in their eyes, his own eyes grew perfectly round, like the eyes of a snake, asking the wise men if they would please excuse him for a moment. The king stepped into his chapel to confer with his clergy, who whipped out their concordances and told him what he wanted to know. Yes, yes, there was a little something in the book of Micah about a new ruler for Israel, but nothing to get too excited about. It had been there a long time. It seemed unlikely, but sure, why not send the wise men to Bethlehem to do the reconnaissance work and save a little bit on the national security budget. So that was what the king did. He gargled, combed his hair, and went back to tell the wise men they should go to Bethlehem at once with his biggest, hugest, bestest blessing on the condition that they come back and tell him who his successor was so he could send flowers. His breath smelled like pine sol, and the wise men left feeling queasy. But once they were back out in the night air, they could see the star clearly again and followed it right to the doorway of a one-room house in Bethlehem. It was a perfectly nice place, modest but well-built. It was just not the kind of place they expected to find a king. A dog was sniffing the woodpile under the eaves in hopes of a mouse. Someone was practicing the lute next door, going over the same phrase again and again and again. The smell of dinner was still in the air, Wheat cakes cooked on a griddle greased with sheep's fat, lentils with lots of garlic and rice. If they had chosen the place themselves, they might never have knocked, but the star had chosen it, so they did. And when the door opened, the couple inside almost died of fright. 
Not that the wise men noticed. With their arms full of gifts, they crowded into the small space, bumping their turbans on the rafters and snagging their robes on the rough furniture. All they could see was the baby, who was not afraid, and whose right eye shone with the same star they had seen before they ever left home. It was he, then, whomever he was. They did not have a clue, but they knew what to do. They gave him the things they had brought, all the wrong things they could see that now, things he had no use for. They should have brought goat's milk, a warm blanket, something shiny to hang over his crib. Only how could they have guessed? The child's parents were very gracious. They thanked the foreigners for their gifts and held them up for the baby to see. Then, to the wise men's complete alarm, the child's mother picked him up and handed him around so that each of them held that damp, soft, living weight in his arms. Then she took him back and nursed him until they all fell asleep where they sat. In the morning, the wise men could not find their stars anywhere. They looked in all the corners and under the chairs. The baby's mother even shook out his blankets. But after an initial panic, the wise men said, never mind, they did not need them anymore. They had found what they were looking for and they could not lose that. As much as they hated to, they guessed they had better be on their way. No, they would not be going back through Jerusalem, they said. All three of them had had a dream that said, steer clear of Jerusalem, as if they needed to be told. If anyone in Jerusalem knew anything at all, they would be here instead of there. Besides, none of their old maps worked anymore. They would find a new way home. So the wise men picked up their packs, which were lighter than before, and then they lined up in front of the baby to thank him for the gifts he had given them. What in the world are you talking about? The baby's mother laughed, and they told her so she could tell him later. For this home and the love here, said the first wise man, who could not remember how to say it in the ancient languages he had studied for so long. For the weight of a baby, said the second wise man, who had no interest in living on herbs anymore. For a really great story, said the third wise man, who thought telling it might do a lot more for him than walking on coals. Then the wise men trooped outside, stretched, kissed the baby, and went home by another way. Scripture lesson this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12, the visit of the wise men. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea 
For so it has been written by the prophet, and to you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you've found him, bring me word so I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they'd seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Here ends this reading inspired by God. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. They left for their own country by another road. Or in Barbara Brown Taylor's vernacular, they went home by another way. The wise men did so, you remember, because they had been warned in a dream to avoid Herod. Also, if they had gone back to Herod, we wouldn't be calling them the wise men. But of course, the Magi were wise because they were able to see in the dark, to see in the night, the light of hope. It was, by my estimation, resistance in the first century disobeying Herod, thumbing their noses at the empire, this going home by another way. I believe, too, that this home by another way had everything to do with the heart. Home by another way. This is perhaps the best description of Mayflower Church I have heard November marked my 10th year as a member here. Colin was already a member and actually serving on the Christian Ed board when we started dating. I mean, what a charmer. <laughs> the first time I attended a service with him, we sat in the back, lectern side under the balcony. It was the first time I had attended a non-Southern Baptist worship service ever. I think I brought my own Bible, which is totally fine if you did that today. I could not figure out where the baptistry was hidden. What I heard from the pulpit was disorienting, but left me feeling strangely relieved. It was the people, of course, though, who sealed the deal. Opinionated, curious, compassionate, contrarian, faithful people who made room for me to study more deeply the Bible I didn't want to leave behind and to help me rethink what following Jesus means. Was it like that for you too? Perhaps you have been looking for some time for some people to travel with. Maybe you, like the wise men, have been on a long journey. Or maybe, maybe you've been here a while and need to be reissued an invitation to offer your gifts. To be sure, 
Now is the time, Robin said it earlier, now is the time. The world needs wise men and wise women to find the light of hope. It needs us to walk together. It needs us to offer our gifts to the most vulnerable, to the stranger, and to each other. Our 363 group provides between 300 and 500 meals per month at the Homeless Alliance. And this congregation gives away about $6,000 worth of socks in addition to jeans, shoes, and Christmas gifts every year. 363 needs more of us to volunteer, to cook, to haul supplies, and to clean up. And at the same time we're doing that, we've got to be championing anti-poverty policies that will lessen the need for meals at the Homeless Alliance, like increasing the minimum wage and advocating for affordable housing options. So who's up for a trip or two to the Capitol this session? Last week, the Stephanie Tallinn Memorial Mission Fund gave away over $21,000 to missions closely connected to Mayflower Church. Robin told you a little about Stephanie, a Mayflower member who died in 2013, leaving behind her estate to this beloved church. The trustees wisely set aside that money to support the missions to which Stephanie had devoted her time and talent while she was alive. A portion of that money will be distributed annually in such a way that her gift will continue to grow while at the same time providing Mayflower Ministries with steady financial support. That also means that money given to our Benevolence Board will go farther and impact a greater number of groups doing work on behalf of the common good. Now is the time for us to look around and see what we've been missing. Where are people hurting? How can we do the most good? How can we partner with organizations already in the trenches? They may not know we are here. I mean, a star might appear over this steeple, but until then, we'll just need to give people our address. 3901 Northwest 63rd Street, 73116, go here for help. This afternoon, Mayflower will take another step towards immigration justice. It is a long road. We'll be looking at how we can build authentic relationships with those we are trying to assist, because 90% of our job as an ally is to listen. White savior is not a good look for us, not to mention the person who already took that job definitely wasn't white. We'll be developing policies and procedures for offering sanctuary. We'll be exploring the possibility of weekly protests at the detention center. We need all the hearts and minds working on this that we can get. So don't worry about it if you've missed the first meeting, just show up when you can. And while we're thinking about caring for our neighbors, we must find ways to take better care of each other when you notice that your pewmates are missing, don't just wonder where they are. Pick up the phone. The next time someone asks me if I've seen so-and-so, I will give you the look I inherited from my mother. <laughs> Call them yourself.
If you are thinking, but I don't know their name, well, you are in luck. To help alleviate some awkwardness, I'd like for you to grab a pin, there's one in front of you by the hymnals, and smooth out your bulletin. You can use it to write down the names you are about to hear. I would like for everyone to take a few minutes to introduce yourself to your neighbors sitting beside you, in front of you, and behind you. Go. For those of you who got up out of your seat, you get a gold star in your crown. I hope all of you feel personally responsible for arranging a meal together or picking a date to bump elbows while serving fried chicken at 363. It is really shocking that we don't know more about each other's health, each other's souls. This beloved community is growing, but I believe it is possible to have a big church that operates on a first-name basis. And you should get used to this, because as we figure out ways to be God's hands and feet in this city, the more interested others are going to be in this Jesus and justice-loving congregation. So many people are looking for the light of hope in this dark night. So get used to feeling crowded in the pews. Practice sharing a hymnal. Rehearse how you'll offer to meet your friend who thought they had given up on church by the sanctuary doors and then sit with them they may be interested in going home by another way, too. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.